This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Here is an excerpt from a fly fishing poem I found online by Mark Binniger. The poem is called Spring Cleaning. A chill has set itself apart. From once for months you fought. You feel your heart skip a beat in the midst of what is sought. There's a taste upon the breeze, a smell upon the ground. You pause to hear the stream ahead sing its lonesome sound. The grime and grit of life gives way, and you're alive again. The moment is what matters now, and if a trout will rise. Well, that's how I feel after a long winter of no fly fishing. I've caught fish on a fly rod in Montana every month of the year, but honestly, in my mid-50s, I tend not to fish from November through February, although the last two years, Dave and I have been able to fish a 50-degree day in February in Wisconsin. But hey, for the most part, fly fishing starts again in earnest in March, When the spring rolls around, uh, I'm ready to go. Yet, there are some unique challenges when it comes to fly fishing in the spring. Perhaps they are best described as variables. They are different kinds of situations or circumstances you will encounter, and they do vary widely. That's what we want to talk about today, variables in spring fly fishing. If you're going to have success in the spring, you have to account for these variables. Uh, Dave, when you think about variables, what's a what's a big one when it comes to spring fly fishing? The first is weather, and that makes, you know, that's patently obvious. But yeah. you have the warming of winter with the damp cold of spring, and Man. often it feels more like winter than it does spring. I was just out uh, a couple days ago in March, and it, it was, it was. 30 degrees and I have to tell you that it was cold cold oh, cold man. cold and by the time I got off the water it was probably more like 25 26 27 oh, degrees man. and so it's it's just cold and and it depends on where you live obviously uh, certainly if you're in the west there's probably a lot of snow still on the mountains actually it's all still up on the mountains and if you're in the east, you probably are still getting snow this year on the east coast. They're just continuing Boy, getting... a couple s- of those nor'easters. Yeah, they're getting slammed. slammed with snow, yeah. yeah. You know, we there was a guy in Montana, a friend of mine, who uh, used to call uh, spring. He said, this is the season that ought to be called sprinter. He said, because uh, on the same day, you can have spring and you can have winter. Put the two together, spring and winter, you have sprinter. <laughs> and that's true, and it's, you know, I think what's even more difficult about that is not just when you're wade fishing, but if you're ever out in a drift boat. <laughs> well, do you remember, I don't know how long, maybe it's been five years ago, we were with this young young fly fisher named Brendan. Oh, yeah, and yeah, we were that's fishing, right. Um, was yeah, it f- we were on the Upper Madison. Upper Madison, Not too yeah. far from Menace. Yeah, Brendan Robinson took us out. And it had to be early April, right? Yep, mm-hmm, it was. And it was a sunny day when we put in, and halfway through the morning, all of a sudden, this, like, it was like a nor'easter blew oh, in. Oh, man. And this, this squall moved in, and we had to actually 
put out, take oh. out into this little island and yeah. wait for this thing to pass. That was bad. Remember how dark those clouds oh were? Oh, my and gosh. The and the snow came down snow sideways. And, oh, It was man. miserable. I was actually a little worried. I, I felt like I was dressed well. Obviously, you have the waders and you're dressing for yeah. spring. Mm-hmm. But I started to get cold. Yeah. And I just as it. quickly as uh, as it descended upon us, it then passed. And I think we ended the day and it was sunny out. Wow. It was one of those That's crazy, right. crazy fluctuations. Oh, I know. And that, that is a good reminder. It, it sounds like a cliche, but you never know how quickly the weather is going to change. And I, I'm always surprised. Remember we had a day, it was uh, it was in the late summer, it wasn't spring, but we had a day like that in the Wyoming Bighorn where, uh, wow, we started out the day. I was wet waiting. It was so hot. And by the end of the day, it really cooled down. Yeah. I mean, that's that happens in the spring. You just don't know. So even if it looks like it's going to be a decent day. If I remember correctly about what you're just referring to, that was like the 1st of August. Yeah, it was. And I mm-hmm. remember thinking... Yeah. My core body temp is starting to drop. Man, it was so cold, so unprepared. I just—it's a good reminder that yeah. if you're going on a drift boat, you need to be prepared for the coldest. You can always strip stuff yeah, off. Uh-huh. You just can't go back and pick up your yep. clothes, warmer clothes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what's another variable? I think another is is scenery. It, oh, that's interesting. What do you mean by that? Does it is? is do you catch more fish when <laughs> yeah, better exactly, scenery? Exactly. Well, just recently, you know, was out again on the both. Well, you and I were on the Blue River. Yeah. It's pretty stark. The photos are oh, pretty stark. I oh, know. my. Yeah. There's no snow at that. Well, there was just a little bit. So... And you know, with the brown and the and the yeah, nothing. Sometimes on the trees. you say a photo doesn't do justice to this. Well, it did that <laughs> it, day. Exactly. You see that brown drab photo with no <laughs> contrast. That's what we were seeing yeah. all day. There's nothing, nothing purdy about it, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm joking. It it doesn't affect your fly fishing, but it it does kind of affect the aesthetic experience. And hey, to me, catching fish trumps aesthetics, but. It's always nice to have a little bit of a sense. I know, it is. So sometimes you have to get out and fish. You have to fish ugly. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, some of you who fish in the you know in other parts of the country where you get spring a lot earlier than we do in the right. northern area, mm-hmm. um, you you probably start things are greening up in mm-hmm. early March. But here yep. in Chicago, at least in Wisconsin, it's really tough to get much spring before. Or, or greening until mid to late April. Oh, I know it. It's it's like Montana that way. I mean, you and I will have often gone out there through the years around the fifteenth of April. We just try to do the middle because um, hopefully you get a little bit better weather. Like this year, mid March, ton of snow. So we wait till mid April, and yeah, it's it's before the runoff starts. But still, it's. Uh, you do start to see a little bit of green poking through, and you, you do have the beautiful snow-covered hills, but otherwise it's just brown grass. and yeah, uh, It's pretty pretty brown. Brown trees. Yep. yep. Exactly. Yep. So what's another one? We have weather and scenery. What's another uh, well, related variable? To the, yeah, related to that, stream conditions. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of off-color water, more than I anticipated, snow runoff in the driftless. I mean, you think about these are spring creeks so i think okay spring creek there's not going to be any snow runoff because we're not in the mountains but it's amazing that the snow along the banks and even in those hills you know again for uh, newer listeners who may not be familiar with the driftless it's an area which in uh, uh, southwestern wisconsin uh, 
southeastern Minnesota, even a little bit of northeastern uh, Iowa, uh, this driftless area, there was no glacial drift. Uh, the glaciers drifted around it, and so it didn't flatten out some of those little those dells or those little valleys. So you got a lot of hilly country and all these spring creeks, but th there's enough contour to the land that uh, you, you get a hill with uh, snow on it, and it, it melts. It's No, it's not a 10,000-foot mountain peak, but I've been surprised how that colors those little creeks, even even in Wisconsin. Yeah, it'll it'll blow them out it. during yep. certain moments and on high on high. Yep, know, a lot of Sundays and where it's really warm. Oh, I know it. And then the other side of that, didn't you run into uh, a little creek you were going to fish last week um, when you were over in Minnesota that was turned out to be mostly iced up? I was planning to fish a little Jordan. Oh, yeah, that was it. it, yep. Yeah, last summer and had such a good little... Sweet little creek. Yeah, yeah. sweet little creek. I thought, you know, I might be able to catch some brookies. Well, I I parked, you know, near that junky farmyard mm -hmm. and started to walk in, and, and it was open right near the road, and I, thought, and I didn't even look farther up the up the valley. I started walking up the valley, and the and the creek disappeared. And it was it was under snow <laughs> oh, and ice, yeah. and I realized, okay, I'm not going to be fishing a little Jordan today. So, man. Um, so then I went and fished uh, another creek instead. But you know, basically, it was all iced up. Yeah. Oh man. And the same is true with the snow runoff in the west. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You you do have to hit it right. In fact, if you are thinking about a spring trip to the west. You probably, unless you're going to fish spring creeks, uh, you want to make that before, boy, I wouldn't, I, I think anything after mid-April, you're, you're starting to guess. I mean, a lot of guys want to go and catch the, the Mother's Day caddis hatch, which usually starts a couple weeks before Mother's Day. But I, I know there's days, because I've gone back and looked at journals I've kept from fly fishing, and there's times where... The rivers have been blown out April 23rd, April 24th. Now, not always. Sometimes you'll you'll get into the end of April, but boy, by the by the third week in April, or or if you just want to figure by the 20th of April, you're you're starting to get into that territory where you get a warm day and you know you you may you may see those rivers get blown out because once that once that runoff starts. You know, unless you have a couple cold evenings to kind of hold it off, it, it goes and it's it's done. And then, yeah, unless you're fishing tailwaters, you know, below a dam or something, usually the, the lower Madison holds out a little bit longer. But yeah, it, it's it's going to be over. So if you're going to fish, uh, if you're going to fish in Montana, I'd say what that window. March 15th to April 15th? Yeah, and, and I even prefer maybe, let's say, March 25th to April 15th. I, I've hit it really well around April 1st. That, that's, a, that's a prime time. You, you could end up risking a little bit more bad weather. But then again, I, I, remember, I remember the first time I did well on that rainbow run in the, on the, the Bear Trap in the Madison uh, it was a March 31st, and it was it was like 60 degrees. And then two weeks later, you can have a foot of snow. So you, you never know, but probably going a little bit later, you're you're probably going to be better weather-wise, at least warmth. Yeah. But, hey, we've gone every year in mid-April, and we've had everything from 60 to a foot of snow. Yeah. So. There are times that we just we had to sit and eat all day because Man, it was – 
too much snow coming down. That's right. Remember one day we hung out for a few hours in the Bozeman Public Library because the, the roads were so bad. Yeah. And they, they opened up later in the day, but we both had our laptops and we got some work done. And then, and then one day we went up to Lewistown, Montana. Remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's see. What else? What other variables do you have? We were just talking about the spawners. So in the West, at least, yeah. the, the rainbows are spawning. That's certainly not true in the driftless, where the rainbows are not wild. And in general, as a rule, they're not reproducing. So, you know, in the spring, you're catching browns in the driftless area in, in Minnesota and Wisconsin and northern Iowa. Right, and they're spawning but in, Montana, in the fall. Yeah, yeah, and they're spawning in the mm-hmm. fall. But uh, so... I know a friend right now who is going out to Montana in a few in a few weeks. Well, actually, it'd be I think a week, and he's gonna. He actually they fish near the they fish the boulder actually. Oh wow, fun! Hmm. And uh, so they're fishing for the spawners, right? That are coming yeah. up. Uh, oh yeah, up out of the Yellowstone. Up out of the Yellowstone, yep. yeah. So, uh, so it's the spawners in the spring, right? It's not for everyone. It's only right. you know in the mm-hmm. west generally where the rainbows are. But mm-hmm. um, that's another variable for fishing in the spring. And when you're fishing those, what you really have to be careful is that you're not disturbing the spawning beds, which are called reds, uh, not R-E-D-S, but R-E-D-D-S. And uh, the the reds would just be, I mean, the way to spot those is you see kind of shiny gravel, and you really want to stay off those. Uh, A lot of times if you're fly fishing an area, you can check at a local fly shop, and they'll tell you areas to avoid uh, you know, Dave and I are very careful about those. We we know some areas where we'll fish uh, above or below, especially below the reds. Uh, and, and a lot of times you get large trout that wait below those yeah. because they know that, that there's going to be spawn come drifting down. But we, uh, we're really careful about waiting, and, and we never intentionally fish right on top of, uh, of, of a spawning bed. But... The thing is, too, a lot of times you're fishing fish that are that are moving. They may not be spawning at that moment, but they're 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 making their way to the the spawning bed. So that yeah, that can be a, a lot of fun if you hit that right. And certainly in the fall, the real the the rivers are closed when they actually, for example, was Hebgen Lake. Like rainbows. when the brown yeah. trout yeah, are yeah, yeah, spawning, yeah. 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 Although, yeah, some of those, yeah, what, what are some of those, there's some false spawners, ah, that's another story, but. Yeah, from the Hebgen Lake, the rainbows that have to come up in the fall, but that's yeah. a strain of, I think they're a strain of steel. Yeah, hand, they, right? they are. Yeah, that's a whole different. But, right, yeah, any anytime you're fishing, you know, in the spring when you've got rainbows, in the fall when you got browns, and uh, yeah, be, be careful of, of the, the spawning areas. Uh, another uh Kind of another variable would be the insect hatches. I mean, in, in mid-March, if you're hoping to fish dry flies, you're probably looking at midges, both in the Midwest and the West. Usually the blue-winged olives, the BWOs, and then even March browns are not far behind. And that's true both in the Midwest and the West. And then caddis, we've caught you know, yeah. a lot of fish on the caddis oh, yeah. in the end of April, beginning of May. Yeah, right. So they show up just a little bit later. So often we found nymphing or stripping streamers as most productive, but you never know. You never know when you're going to hit, you know, a, a good day of, of dry fly fishing. Those cool overcast, uh, I mean, it seems like the spring days are always cool, but the overcast, and then if you get a little bit of moisture, uh, those can really be fantastic for uh, uh, dry fly fishing because it just triggers those hatches. I just remember several 
days on the Madison, we were fishing, you know, nymph fishing, and then all of a sudden there's a BWO hatch happening, mm-hmm. and even in early April, where it's yeah. just, you know, you get that nice overcast day, it starts to warm up a little bit, and next thing you know, they're popping. Oh, I know it. And we remember we had some, we had some great times in the Timber Cooley area, uh, right at right at dusk, and yeah. Uh, you know, in April, I, I remember that you and I, and then I remember another time I took my boys over, and boy, it was right at dusk when uh, they really started to rise, and we had a ton of fun. In fact, I I remember using those you know parachute atoms. You could just see that white post. That was the only thing you could see. And sometimes I was fishing more by sound. You yeah. know, I'd, I'd hear a <laughs> splash, and oh man, that's fun. Well, maybe one other uh, one other variable. Uh, well, the other, or the final one is crowds. And, yeah. You know, the earlier in the spring, I find generally there are fewer crowds, fewer people, obviously because it's so cold, at yep. least up here in the northern uh, parts of the world. But obviously, as, as, you know, as the spring wears on, certainly once you hit April, they, you know, everybody's out fly fishing yeah and, yep. uh, and so it's just something to expect and from that mm-hmm. from then on until probably first of september you know mm-hmm. that's kind of the window of time that you see most at least yeah, for me really is. see most of the fly fishers out on the water yep yeah so it's about all you can do is just plan ahead yeah try to get there early and and if you're hardy enough, yeah, fish on some of those more miserable days. I mean that that's what you did last week, Dave, and you you caught a you caught a slew of trout. Uh, I did. I had one of the best days I've had in the driftless ever. They started hitting the gold rib hair's ear and I had to pull away because I still had a six hour drive back to Chicago and I was I had this noise in my head, like you can't stop now. I had a, <laughs> yeah. about a mile and a half walk back to the truck, and then another six hour drive. And that home. was a function of spring, right? You couldn't park where we normally did. Right, exactly. You couldn't because there was snow where they generally park, where we generally park. Plus, a tree was down. A big, uh, I think it was a big hardwood had, hmm. had uh, been knocked down, and uh, it was right across the road. So I had to walk an extra half mile to a mile. So that was actually a long hike back from yeah, way wow. back in where, where we normally uh, we go back all the way out to the. I didn't go all the way to the cave that time, uh-huh. yeah. but I still had to walk back about two miles. Yep. So, well, I guess the lesson in all of this is if you're going to have success in the spring, uh, you have to account for the variables that you face. Uh, it's going to be weather, uh, scenery, which may not affect the fishing, but it could affect your mood, which does affect the fishing. <laughs> yeah, stream conditions. You know, are 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 you fishing runners, spawners, or not? Uh, what's going on with the insect hatches, and and what about the crowds? And if you pay attention to those variables, uh, you'll you'll have a great experience. Well, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. Here are a couple of comments on our post, Confessions of a Half-Hearted Fly Tire. And that would be you. That was me. I'm the half-hearted fly (laughs) tire. Yes. The first is from Glenn. He says, Fly tying is not for everyone. If you like to tie only once in a while, then it's hard to become good at it. I used to tie a ton of fancy flies. I would spend time on details. Now I find myself tearing flies apart. There are certain flies I tie now where I have removed rubber legs or substituted materials, and I get the same results. I think what he's saying is, hey, you can tie them a little bit more simply. They're easier. And you get the same results. All you need to tie is something that resembles a bug. 
I don't think color really matters as much as we think. Like I always say, just have fun with it. Man, that is tremendous wisdom. Uh, you, you don't have to. Yeah, I, I still think a lot of flies are designed to catch fly fishers rather than fish. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, we've talked before about color. We have to do another podcast on that. Uh, but it doesn't always matter as much as, uh, as, as people say. Uh, again, color, uh, the way that, that trout uh, perceive it, sometimes it's, it's more, uh, uh, more hue and contrast. And the con- yes, the contrast. Thank you. That's the word I'm trying to find. Yeah, it's the contrast as much as anything. So, yeah, at the end of the day, as long as you have something that looks buggy, you're fine. Then we have another f- uh, uh, listener, uh, in this case, I guess a reader, uh, David, who commented, I tie only a couple of patterns these days. I've never been a good tire. In fact, most of my flies are downright ugly. But you know what? The fish seem not to care. <laughs> they don't critique my flies at all. <laughs> I guess that's what really matters when it comes right down to it. The enjoyment I get is when that trout takes a fly I tie, especially a fly recipe I make up. And that's absolutely right. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. My uh, my flies are downright ugly, and that's being generous. <laughs> I'm on Instagram quite a bit for two guys in a river, and and so I follow a lot of fly tires, and mm-hmm. the flies that they create are absolutely can be described only as perfection. Yeah, and and I and they're they're just beautiful. Yeah, they and, are. Uh, and, and nothing against those. No, we're but, all four beautiful flies, right. but at the end of the day, it needs to look buggy and, and right. you know. And I think the more perfect it is, well, I, I won't say that the more perfect it is, the more the less that it sh- you know that it actually appeals to fish. That's not right. true. But I'm just saying, it's it's a bug, and they're crippled, and they're floating through the water, and they're not looking. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Good point, Dave. And with that. That'll do it for today. That'll do it for today. Hey, what are some variables you have had to deal with when fly fishing in the spring? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can share those with us by commenting on this podcast link. Again, our site is twoguysinariver.com. Tell us about the variables you encounter in spring fly fishing and how you deal with them. You can find us on all the social platforms. Be sure to send us all the ideas you have for episodes and to sign up for our email alerts. We'd love to keep you informed on new episodes and new articles. We generally send that email out on Thursday or Friday. And thank you to all those who've purchased our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish. And for those of you who have not yet purchased it, you can find it on Amazon. Continue to refer the podcast. That's how we grow, and we're grateful for all of you who have done so. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.